0: I'm so happy today to be sitting here with Professor Emeritus Danny Virachesky, who um, taught at SMU for 13 years and just recently retired and um, certainly became a, a valued colleague and a dear friend during that time. So we're thrilled to to have him here and talk about his career and his teaching and his choreography and all the wonderful things he brought to SMU. Hey, Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, um, I know because I've interviewed you before, I've asked you this question, but, you know, I think people would so much love to hear something about your childhood and and what took you from Pennsylvania to, uh, to, you know, to a career in New York.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in a small coal mining town uh, in Pennsylvania. It was the anthracite. Coal mm-hmm. region, and uh, that was like northeast Pennsylvania, Scranton, Wilkesbarre, that that particular area. You know, my parents, my mother was a bookkeeper at a big garment factory, and my father was. Um, he worked at a. The area became very depressed, so they would bring in these industries to sort of like give people jobs. And my father got a, a job in this called Arcwire. You know, met, they don't even remember what they made. They made something to do with aluminum. Mm-hmm. So that's what he did until he retired, and then he worked in the, gross, the gro- local grocery store. So, you know, they were extremely supportive of me. I mean, there was no no dance in my life at the time, uh, but I, I I just could feel their support. So that, that was good.
0: Were there things in that youth that... that made you want to dance movies or things like that that sort of inspired you to
1: well yeah i used to um i used to rush home from school so that i could watch american (laughs) 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 Bandstand, and we had in our living room these two posts separating the and i used to dance with one of the posts jitterbugging and stuff oh fun yeah it was totally fun
0: (laughs) well and then later choreographed pieces that included jitterbug so yeah, yeah
1: absolutely yeah so I in, I love to sing, so I um, I was in the Glee Club, and I got cast as Emile oh, in, gosh! in South Pacific. Oh. And Peggy Mervine, who was the head of the Glee, she ran the Glee Club, she would give me voice lessons. Mm. And then I started to go... To this small town called Centralia, I can't remember the woman's name, but I would study voice with her. <laughs> so and then it, so be, so besides uh, being Emile DeBec in South Pacific, I sang No Men Is an Island at our graduation.
0: Oh my gosh, how wonderful! Yeah, it was so quite wonderful. you're on the road to Triple Threat here. <laughs> I don't know,
1: <laughs> but no, no, no real dancing yet. So,
0: yeah. And and did you start dancing at Bucknell?
1: I did. I got my degree, my BA degree in Japanese studies from Bucknell University. And it's an interesting story. Uh, I, I was the f- first person in my family to go to college and I was only able to go to Bucknell because there was this very eccentric lawyer named Joseph Deppen, <clears throat> And when he passed away and they went into his house, he was a hoarder. He had hoarded it every newspaper magazine. Mm-hmm. It was just wall to wall stuff so however he in his will he gave all the money he had a lot of money for one to keep the town park in good condition and the second was to give students like me who didn't have the means to go to a school like Bucknell um, they were called the Deppin Scholars and Mm -hmm. I was in the very first group of Deppin Scholars to go to Bucknell and that's the way that's how I got there.
0: People like that are so important in so many stories. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. so very interesting.
0: So, okay. what yeah. happened at Bucknell to set you on the dance road?
1: Well, I I was also in the choir at Bucknell, and I was my friend Tanya was sitting next to me, and I said, "Oh, I feel so sedentary. I need to, do, to move or something." And she said, "Well, there's a woman who comes into town once a week, and she gives ballet classes above a hardware store. So she." Sh- why, she said, "Why don't you come with me, and we will see what happens?" And her name was Joan Moyer, Clark, and she um, put on this uh, scratchy old ballet record, and I was in love <laughs> and she was very charismatic, very, very charismatic. She had a little space between these two teeth. she had the most beautiful legs and feet I ever, had ever seen. Oh, wow. so um, I, uh, yeah, I would go every week, and then I n- realized that I needed to catch up, make up for lost time. So her studio was about, oh gee, maybe eight to 10 miles from Bucknell, which is in Lewisburg. Hers was in Sunbury. So I, I started to hitchhike after class to go to uh, take more classes. And then I found out that a lot of the professors uh, Daughters in particular would go there, so I would hitch rides with them. There you go. I know, yeah, <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. So I was making up for lost time for sure. So that was, you know. And she was, um, as I said, charismatic. I think what I learned there, I had to relearn. You know, I think she said that if you put a quarter between your buttocks and did a grand prix it's not fall out. So. <laughs> would you uh, grip those those glutes right? Not the best. Still, it doesn't, didn't really matter because. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, she was just very inspiring. Yeah, very Yeah, well,
0: that's kind of the key, right? I yep. mean, she led you on the road to thinking this is something that fascinates me. Yes.
1: I did, I choreographed, um, what did I choreograph? Well, I, I was in um, an Easter pageant. I played Jesus, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then I did a, um, what, what was it? I, I actually choreographed like a ballet. Uh, on some of the students there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was getting the taste for it, and I just really loved that, loved doing that, yeah, I
0: guess. So what would you say is the definitive moment that you decided, I'm going to be a dancer?
1: Yes, well, back to my parents. I had you know, have a degree in Japanese studies, and I had one, I have been awarded a, a Ford Foundation scholarship to go study at Stanford for the summer, you know, all expenses paid, uh, and then, and I said to myself, "Well, I have to really experience a professional environment in order to see if this is the right thing for me." So I applied for and I got a work study scholarship at American Dance Festival, working in the kitchen. I didn't tell my parents, but I turned down the Ford <laughs> Foundation scholarship and I went. And it was really, really important oh for God. me to be there.
0: Well, because all of the, the, the great people who were yep. movers and shakers in the dance world were yep. there.
1: Yeah, there were. The original Ailey Company was there. Mm. The Le Monde Company was in residence. Uh, I was in a very famous dance by Twyla Tharp. Before she was Twyla Tharp, it was uh, d- performed f- 24 hours out in a field somewhere. Mm. And I also got to be in one of Yvonne Rayner's chair dances.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah, so... Well, there's classic for you. uh-huh Yeah.
1: You know, and I, there was a really great ballet teacher, James Clouser. He, oh, Jim Clouser, uh, Jim my Clouser. goodness.
0: I never knew we shared Jim Clouser. Oh. You know, he was in Houston for a long time. Yeah. Uh, he did a piece on the dance company I was in. Yeah. Oh.
1: So, and his wife, I, I can't remember, she used to play the piano. She would play the guitar, but it was just a really, it was extremely musical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah, that was that was fantastic.
0: Well, and the idea of storytelling. Mm. And, you know, I think Jim was a good storyteller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. So so um, where did you go from the dance festival?
1: From the dance festival? Did you? Oh, yeah, well, okay. So when, after I graduated, you know, you make your own way. And that's certainly what I did. Uh, after I graduated, I got a scholarship at the Pennsylvania Ballet. And I was very fortunate to this amazing man named Edward Caton who was one of Anna Pavlova's partners. Oh. He was teaching ballet. And, uh, you know, I would go to the back of the room, and I was like, oh, I know this is, I'm, this is way beyond me. But he would always tell me to come to the front because I was so musical.
0: Mm, you uh, are definitely musical.
1: Yeah. And he also taught these phenomenal character classes from a chair. Mm. From a chair. Because he was he would eat garlic during uh, the classes because of, he had uh, strokes. And I think garlic was supposed to be some sort of a... Uh. Tonic for not, not having a stroke, so it was pretty fragrant in there. <laughs> it's where you got that love
0: for garlic, you had. <laughs> I do. So anyway,
1: he was just the best. And then after that, I went to the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, and I got a scholarship. And I was just eating up everything. I would watch all the classes, even though I wasn't taking them. I would watch the point classes and the partnering classes, and and the, the they, they taught Vaganova in the main company but downstairs there was a woman named jean mckenzie and she taught rad (laughs) so i would go i would sneak downstairs and and you know take some of her classes as well i think so
0: you had an affinity for rad more than the vaganova
1: no the vaganova definitely yeah yeah but i felt like i did the the one i felt what appear what really felt like in the Mm. rad just some from the in terms of building technique yeah yeah so that was exciting so anyway I was just working my working working away and then the David Moroni, the head of the program pulled me aside and he said well you have a talent for dancing but you this ballet thing is not going to happen for you Yeah, you know, but I was devastated but in retrospect I was I much appreciate what he yeah. said so he said you know just go find out there's lots of things you could do just go find out what you can do <laughs> So one of the other scholarship students <clears throat> was from Memphis, Tennessee, and he said, we need somebody to come and teach. Uh, so <clears throat> I said, okay, I'll give it a try. So I went to Memphis, and I taught everything. I taught, I taught ballet. I taught point. I taught character. I taught um, exercise classes. <laughs> and I think we all have
0: a few exercise classes in our past. <laughs> definitely.
1: So I guess that's where I really choreographed my first quote-unquote jazz dance. Mm-hmm. You know, Memphis is a big music town, and so I did. I choreographed something called the Me- Memphis Trilogy. The first section was a blues section to W.C. Handy, who, I th- think he was from Memphis, and so I did that, and then I did an Elvis Presley section, because uh, um, he's from Memphis. Yeah. And then I did, for the last section, I did something to Shaft, the original Shaft, it was very, very, uh, with a jumpsuit, you know, cut down to here. Oh, boy. <laughs> but it was, people loved it. It was just very successful. Well,
0: that music was so incredibly danceable in a way we had not quite heard before. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a new thinking about what mm-hmm. dance music meant.
1: A little electronic. Yes. So, you know, it was very, very successful. And, and then I choreographed a ballet piece called La Fête to Vivaldi. And I had I met some amazing women there. One was Becky Bowden. She be mm-hmm. became my assistant in New York eventually, and so I, I created it basically to showcase her her talents. Mm-hmm. And you know she was one of those that didn't have like good feet for point shoes. And, uh, she would just sit and just like bang them into the wall <laughs> and try to bend them to, to get her feet yeah. to work.
0: Yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, she was wonderful, and there was another fabulous dancer and carried Jean Wilson who had all of the ballet goods and so and one of the things that I learned at Winnipeg was the black swan pas de deux. so I set the black swan pas de deux for she and for me <laughs>
0: oh my wow and,
1: yeah and I think the first time we performed it was at the uh the state fair <laughs> so but she was just so exciting to dance with yeah, I bet. you know so yeah. And then I just met great people there, even though the situation ultimately did not work out. I met this guy named Alex Jankowski, and he uh, graduated from the Memphis Art Institute. <coughs> so he said, well, let's make something for the Art Institute. It's their anniversary. I said, okay. He said, I think we need some like uh, banners. And one of the... Uh, department stores downtown and was closing up shop so in the middle of the night we went down in his truck and we took all the awnings off of the, <laughs> the department store and he made these beautiful banners and
0: oh wonderful yeah
1: and again it was called Pux p-a-x and there was beatles music in it eleanor rigby was in it uh carmina Burana, some of it. it was just a whole a uh, m- hodgepodge of really wonderful music, but and I think I put it together in a very interesting way. So that was good, mm-hmm. so that was very good. However, the situation, George Latimer, who was great in a lot of ways because he wanted to create a ballet company that was integrated
0: mm-hmm.
1: at the time, that was-
0: that In was Memphis?
1: In Memphis, yep. So- Wow. He he championed diversity. Mm. Two of my favorite students was April and Marie Pickett, and they they actually brought me over to their house, and her mother made me collard greens and all this kind of great stuff. Mm. So anyway, however, George was a little little. Um, he didn't pay me regularly, so that was not good, and I, I just had to get out of there. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: But did you go straight to New York?
1: After that, I went to New York. I went to New York and, you know, New York is a crapshoot. The first time I went, it was just not happening for me. So uh, I auditioned for um, a company in Switzerland. Joel Schnee was an American choreographer and he was uh, putting together a group of new dancers for this company in St. Gallen, Switzerland, which is right outside of Zurich. So he hired me, let me see, there were three Americans there were two dancers from Sweden, and this wonderful Christina Gap, Gap, Caprioli from, from Italy. So that you know, this was like the he wanted to make some more contemporary works because you know, it's, it's opera ballet is pretty straightforward. So anyway, uh, so yeah, it was great. I mean, um, and uh, and the people, f- the two dancers from Sweden were just Luigi fanatics. So they taught Luigi, Mm -hmm. and then they said, why don't you teach as well? I said, well, I don't know. know, I'll just pick out the music that I like, and then
0: I'll make up something. Do you mind if I throw in here for our listeners that Luigi is one of the first people to actually codify a jazz dance technique? Uh, So, you know, at this time, he was one of the few techniques in jazz you Mm -hmm. could actually study. So this was an important moment for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd always heard about Luigi, but I finally got to... Mm. study in in a limited way and that was like
0: I loved Luigi I loved the Luigi technique I feel like I learned so much from it
1: (coughs) yep so I I was doing really well and then I Joel asked me if I would like to come back the next year and be his assistant and you know he was very difficult to get along with you know he had his favorites and he would just especially the Swiss dancer he would just get on her case Mm. was just not very good so I thought, well, maybe things will change. <laughs> things didn't change. So I, and, and I had gotten the opportunity to choreograph for a gala some dances from West Side Story. So I did that, and I was very successful. Um, but we did really interesting things, like "Ani Shislos, Ani Get Your Gun" in German. <laughs> 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 and then we would do these operettas and, uh, and operas. I was in Verdi's Attila. But in any case, I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. But I, in the second year, nothing changed. And I said, I have to leave. So I broke my contract, and I came to New York. And the second time I came to New York, everything happened for me. Uh, I found Betsy Haug, my phenomenal jazz teacher. And I was studying f- for with her... Oh, I can I must mention the Theater Dance Collection. Oh, I, okay. I had also gotten a job with a small collective of choreographers called the Theater Dance Collection. And they were, they were, um, most of them were former musical theater dancers who just al- also loved modern dance. And they said, look, come and work with us. Uh, and if you get a job in a musical, go, and then you can come back and because they were great people i mean i was dancing with lynn simonson
0: Mm, another great jazz (coughs) yeah technique so uh
1: so i did i went i got cast in a big national tour of maine with angela lansbury and i took the job and uh, we actually the first place we the tour started in dallas
0: oh wow i didn't know that
1: and i stayed at the melrose hotel which Melrose. is now the Melrose, which is now what is it called, the Warwick? But I stayed in the Melrose. But it was just like, oh my God, when the orchestra started to play for the first time, I just lost it. You know, dancing with the full yeah. musical theater orchestra—absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Well, and a major star like Angela Lansbury—what a great way to start your career yep, in musical she theater. He
1: was just the best.
0: And you were here when she got the Medals Award. I was not. You weren't? I thought you were. Oh, wow. I wish I had been there. I do, too. She was wonderful.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so then, yeah, so I finished that, and I came back and danced with the Theater Dance Collection again, and that's where I met my husband, Les. He, they, in order to uh, increase their, what, what they offered on, a t- on tour, they had a children's musical called Harlequin with an original score, and Les was Harlequin oh yeah so that's where we met
0: Is that that was your version of the nutcracker for the, the collective to make money <laughs> right yeah no exactly no, i mean you know that sure. the children's stuff makes money yeah, for yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah so then uh you know i'd been
1: studying with betsy and she would go away to she did a lot of mostly nightclub work she'd go to make a nightclub ru- routine and so she asked me if i would sub for her i was like oh my god okay i'll do it let's do it so that's where I really, really got into understanding the elements of choreography. Because when you teach at an advanced level in New York, you just never repeat anything. You know, you've got professional dancers coming in. They want to do something new every time. So my routine was I would find a great piece of music. I would make up something. I would go teach it. And then I would go back to find another piece of music. And then just do this over and over and over again. But it was just so exciting to have that kind of good pressure mm-hmm. to make up stuff every, every single day. So then, I um, <coughs> this musical called the Act with Liza Minnelli uh, was came to New York. It, th- it opened in Los Angeles, uh, and then moved to New York. And they were looking for a young, a new dancer. So I auditioned, you know, and I was like ahead of the game because it's a very, very intricate style of mov- moving way of moving. So I got ca- I got cast. I got cast as the swing dancer, <coughs> and then. You know, and when you're the swing dancer, you have like six weeks to learn the entire show. And it was so complicated, I learned one part. Only one. And then the first day that I was act- legally responsible for performing in the show, I got a phone call. I was at home. with the lesson in, in, in Chelsea, and she said, you got to come down to the theater right away. Brad has called in sick. I had no costumes. <laughs> so do I ran to I, the... Th- no rehearsal? Well, wait, no, not really. I knew that one part, so I ran, but I had no costumes. So they they put together a set of costumes. You know, it's like sequence, sequence, <laughs> sequence, because the costumes were designed by Halston. Oh right. <laughs> so they made me a set of costumes, and then Liza, and this particular part had all this little business with Liza, and she came in early to go over these few things with me, and then I went on, hmm. and. At the very end of the show, she looked at me like I was, like, you know, like, are you crazy or what? Are you out of your mind after going through this? But I did really well, and they put me in the show permanently.
0: Who choreographed the act? R-
1: uh, Ron, Ron, Lewis, Ron Lewis, who was Betsy's teacher. Mm-hmm. He was. A, she was actually his assistant on the show. So anyway. <clears throat> so he
0: bought a lot of important influence to, to that choreography. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: It was really very complicated i mean there was a a a number called turning which you did on these poles with ball bearings very las vegas-y and you had to do this in sync wow yeah and then there was a a number with huge tambourines when you had to beat all these rhythms out and then i was just frightened to death because you had to at the end you had to hold the tambourine above your head and just let it drop (laughs) boom like not (laughs) bad
0: how'd it go uh, pretty well, actually. Oh,
1: you know, so there was that, and then, uh, and then the other interesting thing about that experience was that this was the first time that aud- audiences became aware that everything was not sung live.
0: Oh. you know. Yeah, they w- so that was that was very revealing, I would think, yeah, in terms beca- of.
1: So you know, and S- Stanley Lebowski was the conductor. He, he would ha- have earphones, and then somebody would you know, give him the cue to, to play. And then he would pl- always play, but she would not have to sing. Mm-mm. And then there were, there were a couple instances where it all went out of whack. Oh God. So she just stopped the show and started over and did it all live. Mm. Good for she, she was amazing. Yeah, amazing. She, was. she was a wonderful dancer. And,
0: and this was post Cabaret, right? What well, year was it? post Cabaret. Yeah, her sh- her performance in Cabaret. The, the movie. movie? Yeah.
1: Oh, good. I think this is before. What year was it? 19, wait, 76,
0: no, 77, 78. So it's after Oh, it Cabaret is. was 72. Okay. Oh. Well, before we run out of time, we definitely want to get to your company in New York. Is that a big jump from where we are? Uh, well, I,
1: th- no, I... Um, I used all of the money that I made performing in the act and uh, I had a big old tax return. I took all that money and I said to my friends that I used to love to dance with, I said, I would like to do a concert of my own. Are you, would you be interested in that? And I said, sure. So I rented the a theater, a Playhouse 46, um, St. Clement's Church, which is in the, in the 40s, I can't remember where, and I produced my first concert. And I just was so excited just to do it. You know, people show up. They actually pay some money. And uh, and the second one, the second concert I did at Larry Richardson's Dance Gallery, which was on 14th Street. And it was all right. But I was like, why am I doing this? Mm. You know, know, it's great to pick up music. And I said, I think I need to get up to the Library of Performing Arts. So I went up to the library. And I was like, oh, my God, I am so ridiculously ignorant. I learned all about the history of jazz music and dance, and I said, this is really what I want to do. I want to explore these classic jazz dance forms like the Cakewalk and the Charleston and the Lindy Hop and blues. So that set me on my way to to making. And the third concert, uh, I sent out pr- press release and I got responses from the New York Times. So I was like, oh my god, no <laughs> So, yeah, Jennifer Dunning came, and she really, really liked what I was doing. She could tell I was just getting started, and we ran down to the Times early in the morning. Oh, no, it was, no, it was late, at n- late at night when the first edition would come out to get to see the review, and it was very positive.
0: So Swing Concerto wasn't in that concert. That's later, right? No. But the Was the Swing Suite. Swing Suite,
1: which was to Glenn Miller and the Army Air Force Band, which was my f- parents their favorite music and they used to dance to that music
0: and that was in that concert that right? was in that concert because yeah. that's definitely a start on doing what you were talking about well, and yeah. looking at those those uh forms and giving so them a stylized i work. was really
1: interested in um especially with that piece uh to reference other forms because they're they're the two duets in that in the middle of swing suite are based upon uh, the hypnosis dance from Carefree with Fred and Ginger. So, you know, I think Jennifer Dunning picked up on that fact that, you know, I was really referencing other things. So it was that it had a larger kind of context. Well, and
0: telling stories.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what else here? Uh,
0: well, so, so the company continued.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the first time I came to SMU was in 1988. So I have gone through three not four chairs. <laughs> Shelley Berg was the chair at the time, and she was a dance history scholar. She came to Minneapolis to look t- for a conference and she c- stepped into our rehearsal and I was uh, doing swing concerto, um. so she invited me to come, and they were giving a uh, uh, an award to Witten Marsalis, the, the, the Meadows Award. It's different than the Meadows Prize. It was just an award. And he, I created something called Cortege, and it was very successful. He loved it. And... Uh,
0: <clears throat> so this would have been 98. No, 88. 88? Mm-hmm. Shelly didn't become chair. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. But so, yeah, because Shelley became chair like in 96.
1: Oh, maybe she wasn't the chair then. I thought she was, but...
0: She probably had seen your work, because I know she yes, talked she
1: about your work for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, and then, um, what else?
0: So, so you had successful company in New York. Oh, I had a totally, really successful company. Very successful. I mean, we all knew about it.
1: Yeah, so, but then it was getting impossible in New York at that time. It was so expensive. You know, we had taken our little one-bedroom apartment, we took out the bed and put in a futon and had costumes in the closet. And I said, this is just not working so uh i had gone to minneapolis to work with a company called xenon linda andrews is the director and uh it was a good experience and i don't know how this all came about Uh, but linda invited me to come to minneapolis and to be uh i said i'd only go if we were to be co-artistic director so they agreed to that, they got a big grant from the Northwest Area Foundation to do this merger. So we we moved. You know, ultimately it didn't work out because when you're there for two weeks, it's one thing when you're there all the time. Our management styles were so mm-hmm. off, uh, uh, polar opposites. So I broke my contract, it was a three-year contract, and I, it was like getting, getting a divorce. I had to find a lawyer to represent me, because uh, she had people on her board that were lawyers, So I. Uh, I found this really great guy named Jerry Berg. He worked in a big law firm, and he had just come out, so the, so it was a big deal. So he he agreed to represent me pro bono. Mm. So it was like a divorce. They claimed that they owned all my work. I said, Oh, there's no way. So it wor- worked out. Linda and I, you know, ultimately became great friends, and then I restarted jazz dance. Uh,
0: and created some amazing works during that period of time.
1: Well, yeah, I think I really think that it was like a golden period for me, create create creatively, mainly because the the corporations and foundations were very wanted me to succeed, and I had met with some of them beforehand, like uh, Cynthia Maeda, who was in the Jerome um, the Dayton Hudson Foundation. I had met with some, and they said, "Absolutely, we'll help you out." so they did and
0: um well and i think you know uh, not so not last spring but the spring before when we did a retrospective of your work I think some of the many of the works that were in it well were created during that period of time yep, yep. Um, and you know, pr- I particularly think about Ezekiel's wheel just because it's one of my favorite mm. things that you've done. Um, song awakened, song awakened, and swing concerto, swing concerto. Yeah, and and I think in in terms of Ezekiel's wheel, that was commissioned by the Library of Congress for you to no, create.
1: The right? no, Ezekiel's wheel was commissioned by the Walker Arts Center. Okay. And the Bates Dance Festival. Mm. Uh, the Library of Congress did. A, among these cares among these scares yeah. okay. so yeah it was great it was just the best um,
0: well and so important just you know including the wor- the words of james baldwin and looking at you know, these important socio political issues yep. in a very graphic way wow and then how did you get to SMU well the
1: company i could the writing i could see the writing on the wall you know we were getting Less, you know, if you have a lot of touring, the f- the money that you get, c- you put in, th- you, you pays for itself, and then there's money left over to put in the bank. And as the touring was drying up, it was getting much more difficult. And I could see that, that perhaps I should bring it to a close. And I got a call from Myra Woodruff, who was the chair, and she asked if I would be interested in coming as a visiting artist for a year. And I said well, could, I, this, could this eventually turn into a permanent position? She said, sure, absolutely. So I did it. We picked up and moved to Dallas, and then I had a, was enjoying it, and then I applied for the permanent position, and I got it, and then I applied for tenure, and we had a dean, Jose Antonio Bowen, who was uh, a jazz musician in addition, in, in addition to many other things, and I asked him if I could have an accelerated process and try to get my tenure in three years as opposed to what it is, a six? Mm. He said, absolutely. And I was, it was very fortunate, they call it kismet, that he and his family used to come to vacation in the Berkshires, and his daughter was a, a, at the time an aspiring dancer, and jazz dance was their favorite company. At Jagger's Pillow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so...
0: Well, and you had such a distinguished record before you get, got here, but your productivity, it's never stopped. I mean, you've always been creating and and, and bringing new work and new perspective mm-hmm. as well as keeping your old works in performance. Yeah. And I think that that's such a, a wonderful um, contribution to the educational experience of our students yeah. because they got to do both of those. Mm-hmm. And then in the retrospective, they got that wonderful opportunity to do those works and then also perform with Xenon, which we invited them in to do things so it gave them a chance to be around a professional company. So you've bought a great depth of experience and and well, you know, I always felt
1: that the students were the most important thing. No matter what I what I did in my teaching and my choreography. You know, I was basically a choreographer at first and then I became a good teacher, especially when I was teaching so much at SMU and I just loved both of those things and I would draw upon my choreography to incorporate ideas from my choreography into the class. So it was
0: good. Well, and I think one of the things that so great about your classes is that you would choreograph things to a whole piece of music mm-hmm. you know so it gave the students a chance to experience them and then of course you shared the history of the music yeah. with them so right. it was a much deeper experience than just a you know four eight counts of a piece of music right. that's a very different and experience than the whole the whole piece of music so I, I would always explain who the artist was
1: you know what time period they grew up in and what what was going on in in america you know at the time because you know basically jazz dance is a history of race in america and we would talk about that all the time
0: well danny thank you so much for for everything you've brought <laughs> uh and i know that you uh, continue to work on your website in retirement and mm-hmm. Um, And I also want to close by saying that the educational materials, the documentary materials we created on your retrospective are going to live in the Bywaters Collection in the Hammond Library and as well as have connections to other major libraries in the country. So um, we we honor your work and thank Thank you for being here.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you.